Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Join us September 25th, 26th, and 27th for a three-day special streaming event, Strange Realities, to push the limits of your reality. Featuring authors, academics, researchers, occultists, experiencers, podcasters, and practitioners. All presenting fresh, cutting-edge material and research. Streaming live. Featuring presentations by Brent Raines, editor of Alternate Perceptions Magazine. Aaron Gullius, host of the Saucer Life Podcast. David Metcalf, writer and researcher. Alan Greenfield, author of Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts. Stephanie Quick, writer and blogger. Red Pill Junkie, 14 researcher and explorer. Tim Banal, host of Banal of America. Guy Malone, iconoclast and troublemaker. Timothy Ritter, host of Strange Familiars. Kiki Dombrowski, author and practitioner. Greg Bishop, author of Project Beta. Jenny Ashford, host of 13 O'Clock. Recluse, host of The Farm. Jack Montgomery, Folk Magic. Joshua Cutchin, author of Thieves in the Night. Reverend Michael Carter, Alien Contact Experiencer. Dr. Future, host of Future Court. Tony Kale, author of Memphis Hoodoo. Rin Collier, Occultist. Soraya Ascap, host of Where Did the Road Go? John Tinney, Ghost Stalkers and Hell. All three days, only $20. Tickets and info available at strangerealitiesconference.com. Brought to you by the Conspiranormal Podcast. Conspiranormal.com. Strange realities. Gonna, um, I've got the microphone on me. We're sitting sort of in a triangle. So okay. as we talk, I'm, I'm just going to spin the mic around. To, oh, okay. A, a to, triangle, huh? That's yeah. the mic! <laughs> Let's see what's going on. We're in a sacred shape right now. All right. Okay. Well, I will start. I will start off, and uh, we'll go. We'll just uh, we'll just see where the conversation takes us. Um, all right, guys. Welcome back to Conspiracy Normal. It's your host Adam, and Serfiel is. Yep. We're we're even more remote from each other than we used to be. <laughs> I'm about like 135 miles away now. But uh, early in Tennessee. Yeah, but we are we are make we are still making it happen to conspiracy normal. And guys, we are really happy to have some folks that we've been wanting to talk to for a very long time on this show. And these are the guys that uh well, they are part of the upcoming Penny Royal podcast. And we've got Nathan Isaac. Say hello. Hey guys, thanks for having us on the show. Kyle Cadell and Darian West. Hey, welcome to Conspiracy Normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They collectively make up the Penny Royal crew. Yes, yes, yes. Can can you guys explain? We'll just start off with kind of like a simple question here. You guys are doing a podcast, and you're kind of going to do it in a kind of unconventional way. Instead of like what we do, where we put out an episode every week, you guys are going to put like eight episodes out at one time. So why are you doing that? And what exactly does Penny Royal refer to? Oh, good question. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, we the 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 series itself um, is is sort of based on an investigation that we kind of started 
um, a couple years ago um, involving some murders here in town. And um, uh, over that sort of time period, things just got weirder and weirder and deeper and deeper. Um, it's uh, Penny Royal itself is a, a reference to the Penny Royal Plateau. Um, that's the region where we are. Um, it stretches, um, you know, sort of south of Lexington, you know, bluegrass area, um, uh, down to uh, border with Tennessee, and then west to Hopkinsville um, in that area. Uh, so really captures a, a whole swath of the state of Kentucky and a lot of high strangeness. You know, um, the Stanford abductions are just, you know, 30 minutes north of us, and obviously in Hopkinsville is the site of the, uh, you know, Kelly Hopkinsville encounter. And also, you know, most people forget that Edgar Casey also was born in Hopkinsville. So lots of lots of strange. That is, that is true. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of weirdness on the penny roll. But um, that that's where the name comes from. And, um, you know, we're, we're releasing all eight episodes because, you know, it, it's one of those stories that if if you just listen to one episode, um, I think you'd be intrigued by it. But it's one of those things that I hope that. Um, you know, it's self-contained. Um, I, I think, you know, you start watching that first episode or listen to that first episode and hopefully you continue to listen and just binge all the way through to the eighth episode, um, to kind of just understand what's going on. And, and, and I don't know, it's just, a, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, that we didn't actually intend on making, you know, I was just, you know, was doing this investigation with, um, uh, Darian and Kyle, uh, local investigation, local folklore, and 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 honestly, you know, when we crossed paths with the Hellier crew, you know, and when uh, right. Greg, you know, when they came to town, we didn't even know they were shooting the second season. We, you know, we didn't even know what was going on when they came here. You know, what you guys see in the show is is we thought they were just doing research for a project, and they were just asking if they could film something. They didn't actually say it was for that show. You know, we knew what it was. We, we we had seen the first season. We obviously knew who Greg was, you know, and uh, and they came here and and uh, wanted to talk to Kyle about, you know, st- they knew Kyle through um, uh, uh, Crypticon and and um, uh, anyway, they, they ended up here and and they kind of told us a bunch of stuff that we didn't expect to hear that, you know, that we for the most part had dismissed, you know, that we just did not think was real and then the information that we gave them and the information they gave us sort of confirmed a lot of things on both sides and i think that really fired things back up for us and then we started looking even deeper beyond what we were investigating and found a whole lot of shit that we absolutely never thought we'd find and that, and that's really what prompted it it was like we have to tell this story because this is unbelievable you know so yeah yeah and and that was uh, I actually read like I was telling you before I rewatched um, your section today just to kind of refamiliarize myself with just like all kinds of weird kind of shit that happens in you guys small town and so let's kind of talk about yeah getting started on like Somerset Pulaski County how weird it is you know um, I think one of the things that you talked about was the courts that's in the ground and kind of like kind of trying to explain it from, from a somewhat kind of scientific basis. But, uh, you guys 
have done a really good job, I think, and I'm look forward to hearing the podcast, but I think already from other interviews that I've heard you do, that you guys have done a really good job of like kind of collecting these weird stories and just what you know, let's just get into some of this stuff because I think yeah. it, it goes pretty deep. Yeah. yeah you yeah. got you guys are from a town called Somerset, Kentucky, right? What's what's like the population? It's a small town pretty much. Uh I, I mean, I can speak to it a little bit. Uh, so Somerset is is a it's it's a town in South Central Kentucky. Uh, if you're familiar with Bowling Green, it kind of is like Bowling Green, <coughs> but east, right? And uh, it's uh, it's it's not super small. It's big enough to have you know sort of urban problems in a way, but not. It's it's like a lot of other towns in a way. You if you were driving through, you might not remember that much about it other than a commercial strip right but um historically it's always been an interesting town because it's been a, a midway point between knoxville and cincinnati so uh people traveling through on the railroad for example this was the biggest stop between knoxville and cincinnati um the connection between somerset and cincinnati goes way back it, uh, cincinnati is the queen city somerset's often called the little queen city and that connection to ohio is is sort of strange in Kentucky in general. They're not necessarily, you know, one sort of a southern state and the other one's a northern state. But, um, but Somerset's always had quite a connection in in terms of traffic and commerce and and all that. And that makes it a little bit different than other places in Kentucky, I think. Um, mm-hmm. It also kind of connects to a lot of the stories too. But um, but other than that, it's it's just a smallish town in the middle of South Central Kentucky. This really starts with you guys investigating these like local mysteries, right? Yeah, yeah. I, w- I want to say this too that that well to to bounce off of what Darren was saying. If you die on the railroad tracks here in Somerset, your murder is counted as a Cincinnati murder because they have a <laughs> easement on the railroad. So like if mm. you're murdered here uh, anywhere near the railroad, you are a Cincinnati murder. So I think that's kind of a weird thing, but. Um, I'm gonna even, let though, Kyle... even though it's probably like 200 miles from Cincinnati, basically. Oh yeah, dude, we're we're what three hours away, or two two and a half hours away, you know. So yeah, but um, interesting. Uh, but I I I, I want to lay this groundwork, and then I'll let Kyle talk about some of the strange stuff here in town because you know he's the uh, curator at the International Paranormal Museum here in town, and um, uh, obviously collects these stories. But I do want to lay this groundwork that when I first moved down here. You know, and I talked about it, in, obviously, in Hellier, and it's a major part of Penny Royal, is that this area, Somerset, is the heart of the Kentucky anomaly, right? And whenever I, I've always been fascinated by, you know, UFOs and high strangeness and, and all sorts of, of things like that, and um, I remember I had always heard that Sedona was this hotspot of of uh, UFO sightings that they just at the time that I read the article it was the number one place and I read that they had all these huge pieces of quartz underneath the city of Sedona and and I've been to Sedona you know since then you know it was a place I definitely wanted to travel to I love Sedona and um, quartz is coming out of the desert and people said that it had this huge spike of geomagnetic energy and I thought well you know, could that be affecting people's brains? You know, there's a lot of research that, you know, electromagnetic, you know, waves can, you know, God helmet. Well, think about the God helmet, you know. And so. Sure. 
uh, I, you know, I, I thought I can prove this. I can pull, you know, these uh, uh, satellite images from NASA, you know, drop them on Google Earth, you know, and drop these KMZ files and switch over to, to whatever view this satellite saw. So I, I pulled the geomagnetic map, dropped it down on to Google Earth, and then boom, there it was Sedona lit up. An area in southern Alaska lit up, and then this spot lit up in southeastern United States. And I thought, well, shit, that's close. I can go there, and I can ask people if they've seen things. And I zoom all the way down, and it was fucking Somerset, Kentucky. <laughs> well, you were already there. so there. Right. So, so then I'm like, well, this is strange. And then I started researching, and then I found all the NASA stuff on the Kentucky, uh, the Kentucky anomaly. And it actually does center on Pulaski County um, and on uh, Somerset. So, I mean, the, and it's, what's so crazy is that the NASA – I've got uh, – these are on the wall here in the studio, but um, – there are all these crazy maps that NASA put out, and one of them shows that the surface area, the surface gravity in this area is totally different than anywhere else in North America because of the intensity of the geomagnetic energy um, and in the fields here. So it's strange, you know, when we start talking to people, they say they feel different here, you know, that there, there, there is like a, a weight that they feel that's, that's different. So I, I just think that sets a pretense for a large amount of, of weird activity and then whether or not it's it's real activity or if it's people in just like Sedona are they seeing lights in the sky because of the 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 effect of the geomagnetic energy on their brain I don't know you know you look at the the research of Persinger about all this stuff but um, anyway nonetheless it creates the perfect sort of window area for all sorts of strange stories and Kyle has lots and lots of those and then the other side of the the geological and geomagnetic things would be the the prevalence of cave systems. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> we're actually what's known as a Karsk area, which means where we have a heavy amount of uh, you know caves and sinkholes and stuff like that. And in addition, because of that, we have uh, kind of a sordid history of uh, mining where there's been a lot of mining uh, in these natural cave systems and everything, uh, especially in our county. And, of course, uh, caves have attracted all kinds of people throughout time and uh, probably leads to some of the suggestions of, of cult and occult activity that you all have encountered. So you have those two big physical and geological aspects to this area the the geomagnetic anomalies and then the cave systems that both kind of serve you 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 think that might serve to attract people or affect people and kind of within that pot is where all this this takes place yeah of course um and as you know uh in hellier the caves uh figured prominently into the storyline there Mm -hmm. and so we've had a lot of uh research that we've done with our uh with the penny royal stuff that actually brings up these ideas of cult activity in caves and um just well even more than that just some awful people in history owning these mines that are in our county like we we've tied i mean not to go too far into it we've tied nazis (laughs) into owning uh some of the coal mines here in blasky county and so that definitely even if it wasn't nefarious. They were definitely out there, you know, 
being horrible to the land, to the natural resources, and they were not good people. And so that dark energy alone would have a lot of an uh, imprint on our area. Um, but yeah, absolutely, that the caves can, uh, the idea of caves themselves can bring on this energy or this folklore. And in addition to that, we have uh, one of the largest man-made lakes, the largest man-made lake on this side of the Mississippi, I believe, uh, partially in our county here, uh, Lake Cumberland. And Lake Cumberland always uh, ranks pretty high up on, like, leisure lakes, on, uh, yeah, party lakes and, like, houseboat destinations and stuff like that. Okay. So, like, pretty much not too far away from there is probably, like, the the start of the Cumberland River then, right? Yeah, yeah, Cumberland yeah. River feeds into it, um, I believe. And uh, that's honestly, like, a 15-minute drive from where we're sitting right now in downtown Somerset. Um, and so even that idea like this is the largest man-made lake they flooded a whole town in our county called burnside uh literally they just uh the government the army corps of engineers built it just eminent domained it all and evacuated a whole town to uh (laughs) just build this leisure lake and so we have that here as well and of course water's you know thought to be one of these uh energy collectors and can be portals to other places. And so that figures prominently into a lot of the stuff we've talked about as well. And, and dude, like there are all these crazy sightings about like uh, UFOs coming out of the lake. There's a, a lady that we've got in the, the podcast who has a bunch of sightings um, of, of that too. Um, but definitely on what you were saying too, that, you know, I, I do think that um, the geomagnetic energy, like I said, the quartz, um, here in this area, uh, because of the karst terrain, um, the sandstone, everything, um, the Penny Royal uh, has always collected a large amount of quartz. There's a huge, huge amount of quartz. I mean, you could walk into the, any stream and find, you know, a thousand pounds of, of geodes within 10 feet of you. You know, and they're all agate, you know, quartz, agate. Um, so it's everywhere, you know, and we even have recently, too, we've discovered that a lot of people have started moving to Somerset because of the crystals and because of the healing energies. And, and there's a history here of uh, convalescence uh, resorts and places that people came. Um, there was an Indian healer. Um, uh, he called himself an Indian healer. Um, I don't think he was Native, Native American, but um, he started a clinic here in Somerset. Um, around the 1920s, 1930s, right? A little bit earlier than that. And um, he had searched all over the world for a place where he could channel the earth energies to heal people. And so he opened up a clinic here, and people came from all over the U.S. and all over the world to Somerset to be healed by this guy. Um, And even at his place, there are all these crazy stories about underground tunnels that connect his clinic to this cave system, you know, and, 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 and again, you, you think about ley lines, you know, think about telluric energies and all of these places that people go to that seem sure. to be these, you know, yeah, these hubs, you know, if anybody was going to perform ceremonial magic or a ritual anywhere in the U S you would come to Somerset, Kentucky to do it, you know? Um, I mean, it's it's just like in England, you know, you know, pagan sites, you know, the, the, there were sites of power on those lines, you know, and and we can talk about this later, but 
the you know, Empire of the Will um, series that Walter Bosley and uh, Richard Spence wrote, um, that was a, a pretty big piece of research um, that wind up. You guys mentioned, you know, you're asking us about the murders earlier. We, you know, and, that, and that's really was the entry point for us to a lot of this was that there were these super, super strange murders here in town. Um, what we first heard were beheadings of two um, of a young girl and her and her brother, um, and back in 1994, um, which kind of is, is alluded to in, in Hellier when they're interviewing me. Um, that story, the assassination of the sheriff here in town, uh, Sammy Catron, um, which seemed to be this sort of like strange killing of the king ritual, um, and there was just a lot of correlations that I saw between these strange, suspicious murders here in Somerset and with a lot of the the those seven mysterious murders in San Bernardino, right, in 1950. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that led us to contact, you know, Richard Spence, and, and, right. and he's part of the show too. But it, it's just one of those weird things where it's like if people were performing these rituals, you know, and, and that's the argument in, in the Empire of the Will is that um, – there is there are these telluric lines of energy that these the, these murders were committed on, and if you look at the telluric energy maps, three massive telluric lines cross through Somerset, Kentucky. But it makes sense because they, they you know telluric energy is a real thing. It's just the electrical energy of the surface of the earth, right? And it makes sense that it would be drawn to the point that's the highest, you know, the most intense geomagnetic energy in the surface of the earth is beneath us then these tiller lines will line up with that so yeah it's crazy well, man. i want to get to the i want to get to the murders in a little more detail in a little bit but uh this brings to mind for me what about like native american mythology or native american history in that area like prehistory what any mounds anything that's like strikes you guys as interesting about that um, so, okay, so we did go into this a, a little bit. One of the strange things about um, – so uh, so Somerset is is um, kind of on the Cumberland Plateau, which is um, – if you're – you guys are from Tennessee, right? Oh, yeah, so, we're in Nashville. Yeah. We're from so, Nashville, or I'm from Nashville. Adam okay, was so, here. <laughs> yeah. I, I grew up in the Big South Fork, which is like 30 miles south of Somerset, like above Oneida, Tennessee, and that um, – that part of this whole part, this whole region of Kentucky and Tennessee down to maybe like Knoxville and south of there was not really inhabited continuously by Native American tribes in the reach, like when Europeans yeah. arrived, right? Yeah. It was and like so, collective hunting ground, a lot of it. Right, yeah. But it, it, I think that, that that is an idea that that uh, people have, but really it was more of a natural border between the Cherokee and tribes to the north. So I, I've always felt like maybe there was something to that. But anyway, um, in this whole region, there are two really significant Native American findings. One is that um, just south of Somerset, there's a valley called Sloan's Valley, and there was a there was a Native American settlement there. That's the only uh, evidence of continuous settlement in this whole region. And there was, I think there were like 30 little huts that were the remnants of which were still, it was almost like it was a fishing village on the Cumberland river or something. And so it was, it was, they, they don't even know what tribe or anything it belonged to. Uh, but another one, and this is really interesting is, um, there is a cave, which is 
slightly to the west of Somerset called the Heinz Cave. And it's the largest number of um, Native American skeletons ever found in one location in the, I think in the Eastern United States, but definitely in this region. Yeah. And, and what's interesting about that is, so if you think about the geography of it, uh, there is a, uh, the, the, so the Cherokee are more around, you know, you think of South of Knoxville to, you know, North Carolina around there. Well, the, um, North Georgia. Yeah. Right. And, but these, the, the Indians that were buried in this cave, they did an extensive archaeological investigation in the early 1900s. The University of Kentucky did it. And uh, they they think that this was a, a, um, a place where some of the most important leaders of the Cherokee tribe were buried. Because most of them, many of them had sheets of mica in their hands. And that is not something that occurs here, but it does occur in North Carolina. So it's something that, that they were... The, the ones that were buried here, and there was like, I think, a 700-year difference between the oldest skeleton in the cave and the newest, right? So it was something that was used over time. This becomes part of a, of a myth or a story about a chief called named Chief Doublehead who supposedly sold the Cherokee sacred territory around Tillico, which is, I think, under Lake Tillico. And that um, he supposedly hid out up here around like west of somerset around wayne county and uh he was uh, he was this is all a true story he was actually murdered for selling the land in a cabin somewhere in east tennessee he was buried down there they think that uh according to legend he had um melted down ingots of silver uh I, i can't even remember how many tons of silver it was and had hidden them in a cave now, the property that Heinz Cave is on is actually owned by the same person that there's several caves on this property, right? Well, the the person who smelted down the, the silver, and he actually wrote about it in, in his um, – before he died. He, he And this is like way a long time ago. You know, this is like over 100 years ago. And so, yeah, it does have some Native American history. Uh, there is a connection to – and I'll let Nathan speak more about this – to – Sort of a, a deeper legend about the I, I'll I'll set it up and then I'll let him talk about it. But the um, the uh, there is um, a Cherokee myth that they killed all of their priests because of a sexual because of sexual crimes in a single night about the I think uh, scholars estimate about seven or eight hundred years ago. Right. So when Europeans arrived in North Carolina and the most famous, some of the most famous accounts, uh, I think it's by Moody is the, the guy's name who did a lot of the like uh, folklore about the Cherokee. Yeah. Um, he did. Uh, he recorded that in some cases, in some places, the Cherokee were just throwing the dead bodies into rivers. Right. And so we would ask them, like, why are you not like, why don't you have burial customs or whatever, you know? And they said that when the, the story, this, this is how he gets to the story, is that, um, you know, that in a, they had lost all of their customs and ceremonies because their priests had been committing sexual crimes. And then the local, the warriors in each tribe synchronized an attack at the same time in all of the villages on the same night, killing all of their priests, right? And the Cherokee themselves connect that story to the Adena Mounds, right? The And, and famously, the Cherokee language is not like any uh, Native American language in the South. It's 
it's uh, part of the Iroquois language group around the Great Lakes, right? Mm-hmm. So it's they, they archaeologists know that they were not from this part of the country, but they had traveled down from the north. And whether they were the mound builders or not is is an open question, you know. So. Yeah. But but one thing that we have to you know all that to say too that that there has been an Adena mound discovered on Highway 39, right? Um, uh, and a lot of a large part of the penny roll story involves Dan Dutton, who's a, a famous Kentucky artist who lives here in town, and um, uh, Dan studied extensively a lot of the the Cherokee myths uh, for a lot of his work that he, that he performed or a lot of his uh, operas and um, some of his paintings but um, he he has a farm called Dandyland that's located off of Highway 39 well Highway 39 is one of the oldest roads in Kentucky it was actually part of the Great Warrior Way so like before there were you know any settlements you know really in um, uh, this area there were there were people moving through this you know through Somerset via this this road and off of that road off of Highway 39 is an Adena mound and hmm. they have found these um, uh, what are they called uh, gor- gorgets they're called gorgets right and they're like these pendants and yeah. they involve a black jaguar. And so they believe that there was a black jaguar cult here in the caves in this area, but and that that relates to the Adena. But when you really start talking to people here, there are all of these alien black cat sightings. All of these, they call them painters, but it's panther sightings, right? But there hasn't been, there is no evidence of a black panther in North America, right? And and so like. We've interviewed so many people just during the pinnacle thing because we're collecting all this folklore from the area. All these people claim these sightings of these huge black cats. They're absolutely – no one has ever found a body and nothing like that. And, and when you look at John Kill's work and these ideas of uh, – and, and also if you look at um, – uh, Peter Lavenda with Sinister Forces. You know, there's this right. idea, you know, that the, the, the mounds seem to attract or create these portals. And yeah, he and, talks a lot about Moundsville, I think West Virginia. Yes. Yeah, book. yeah. Yeah. And, and and also, you know, in Ashland, Kentucky, you know, which Greg and the Hellier crew went to, the, there are mounds in the in the park in Ashland. And those mounds were played on top of by a young Charles Manson. Yeah, you know, yeah. and Peter, Peter Lavenda talks about that. You know, and, and and the last thing I'll say on this is that you know he he goes into he mentions Grant, um, Kenneth Grant, you know, Alistair Crowley's one-time secretary and eventual outer head of the OTO. You know, Grant always said, if you read Hecate's Fountain, you know, he 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 talks about the fact that. The people in this area, you know, in West Virginia and Kentucky on the border there, there's a belief that they opened this portal to the abyss, you know, what what the OTO would call or in, in Kabbalah, when people would refer to as, you know, the abyss. And it never closed, which allowed all of these crazy things to pass through, like the Mothman and all these other things that, 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 that we've encountered in this area. And... Uh, 
it, it's just it's a crazy concept you know what i mean it's just a it's a and, and we found all these connections between grant and here you know um but yeah i mean it's it, it's it's nuts there's a heavy adina and heavy cherokee oh and one more thing the uh Uktin, which is this creature that uh, lives on the night side of the Cherokee, the world, you know, um, they when they when the Tilico uh, was submerged underneath water, they believe that they're spiritual. You know, again, we don't you know, this is all stuff we've read. You know, we don't we know exactly what the, the myth is, but but that once it was submerged under the water, um, it was in the night side, you know, and, and the Uktin was there and the Uktin, this creature uh, that would devour the souls of people had a crystal in its forehead it's a snake it's a snake a, this flying snake kind of like quetzalcoatl and that piece of of crystal in its forehead was a piece of quartz which really yeah the uh serpent mound in peoples ohio which is of course one of the two uh, effigy mounds in Ohio that are currently attributed to the Adena people. Really, when it comes down to it, they re- they're not positive who made them, but the best best idea right now is Adena. Um, there's a there's the Serpent Mountain Peoples, and then in northern Ohio, there's an alligator mound um, as well. It's not as prominent, but like literally at the uh, Serpent Mound. The, the head of the snake used to have a massive quartz in it. And so that directly mirrors this whole belief of, of this flying snake. And so, like, and that's, of course, been a very magical place um, for uh, Native American ideas. And there's been, uh, in one of uh, Brad and Sherry Steiger's book, uh, books, they talk about uh, this weird encounter that someone had with um, these leaves that became animate and started dancing next to him at the Serpent Mountain. So this has always been a place of magic, and it d- directly mirrors some of these uh, very hardcore beliefs, you know? Mm-hmm. While we're still on history, um, something I was talking to Nathan about before and wanted to know more about was the uh, the the some of the mysteries in the initial um permanent settlement of the area which was the transylvania company and actually this area and some of uh northern tennessee as well was was known as transylvania initially and was like trying to get statehood uh but i guess they used daniel boone to really scout out a lot of this and you guys found some weird stuff having to do with the transylvania company yeah the free (laughs) Freemasons have a huge involvement in the um, in the Transylvania Company. There's of, a, of course they do. Don't they yeah, have I've, involvement got, with everything? I've got to send you this document. I don't even know. I don't think I've shown Derry in this, but there's this. Uh, I can't even remember how I came across it. You know, uh, I wouldn't have even thought to start looking at the Freemason stuff because it's it's too cliche. You know what I mean? Uh, just to be like, oh well, the Freemasons are involved. You know. Um, these are Masonic rituals, you know, and I was like, I don't know about that. But uh, but when you start looking at this, you know, Somerset has this Lodge 111, right? And so it's like one of the oldest lodges in America. And and Somerset itself is founded, is built lining up with the solstices and the equinoxes. It's built off of 
the cornerstone of the Masonic Lodge, and it was one. Of, it was had the one of the first four Masonic colleges in America was built here in Somerset, and so, you know, we started to find all this stuff out, which was strange, and then we found out that there were like nine other secret societies here in Pulaski County. There are actually five Masonic lodges, which is an odd thing. There's both the Scottish Rite and the York Rite here in town, and then this whole mishmash of the odd fellows the knights of pythias the knights of columbus like this this crazy menagerie of of secret societies here in this town dating all the way back to when it was founded and so so i I started looking into all of that stuff and and found um that that there was uh um the the transylvania company and um uh uh, a lot of the people that were, you know, the first push into the area were Freemasons. It's 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 called a, a Freemasons history of Kentucky, and it talks <laughs> okay. all about. It's just weird. I mean, it's not saying like, obviously the the article I found is not suggesting anything nefarious, right? No, but simply, they're sure. proud of the fact that most of the people involved in this push into this area doing these things, negotiating these things were all Freemasons. Yeah. Well, we're talking well, about the 1770s, yeah. 1780s. I mean, there's, I mean, it yeah. was very popular at the time. Yeah. Know, and the people who had been able to recognize things like everything we're talking about, um, the effects of geomagnetic anomalies or the, uh, you know, the heavens and the earth being joined at some point, et cetera, the type of people would have been able to recognize Concepts like that would naturally have been Freemasons at the time. I mean, it's just how it is. I, I have a I have a weird side anecdote that we'll tell you guys about. That's that's part of Penny Royal. If you guys want to hear it really quickly, but, yeah, uh, go for it. Sure. Well, uh, to add something to the Freemason thing, like the surveying probably would have. Yeah, I think that that yeah. would be a connection too. So. Yeah. Oh, that's totally true. I've always wanted. Um, there are, you know, ley line maps and a lot of stuff like that. I've always wanted to see if I could find someone that had ley line maps of this area, you know. And and according to Richard Spence, uh, Walter Bosley has a huge Tulare current map of uh, the U.S. like all over the U.S. Yeah, he does. Uh, you know, have you? No, you haven't seen it though. No, I've not seen it, but I mean, if he's, <laughs> he's he's talked about it plenty of times. Yeah, yeah I would, we've talked to him a few times about it. I would love to see that, just because the the Tulare Current maps I've found, which are no doubt not the same, but you know, they're they're weird little maps. They do show that that crisscross of these three lines in this area, and they're not so close up that I can actually see where they cross. It just it's definitely in Kentucky, but obviously I'm theorizing that because of the geomagnetic energy here that it would naturally seemed to make sense that it would cross in this area but yeah so uh all right so so check this out this is a sneak peek of some weirdness that we found um so somerset is lodge 111 right okay so uh we were talking to uh marco visconti who is a, a former telemite but he's part of the show and and really like is 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 the part of the show of penny roll that's about magic and freemasonry and all this stuff and so he's a he knows about the um uh sapphire ritual you know and um and can has performed it um he studied with michael bertio 
in Chicago. He lived with him for six months. Um, you guys know who Michael Bertio is? Um, yeah. So so Marco's like, you know, he he's Freemason too, and so he was like, we were, we were talking to him about this stuff, and and I mentioned uh, the 111. He was like, oh, that's odd, you know, uh, lot 111 in you know uh, the Kabbalah and in Freemasonry is a very very powerful number because it's the the it denotes guardian of the gate, right? Guardian of the doorway. And so he was like, that's really strange that it's 111. Well, the sheriff, Sammy Catron, who was assassinated at a fish fry here in, in Stab, Kentucky, if you want to start talking about mystical toponymy and the naming of places, you know, a la Downard. When you start, you know, listening to these these names of, you know, this 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 king who had, he'd been the sheriff for a very long time, and you know he was treated as the king of this town. He even flew around in a in a helicopter instead of a car, right? It would land places. They even had little toys uh, at the supermarket uh, helicopter rides for a quarter, and it was Sammy Catron's helicopter, right? So he was a Freemason. And guess what his free guess what his cop call sign was? One eleven. One eleven. And his car was one eleven. And the helicopter was one eleven. And he <laughs> was at this fish fry putting two apple pies on the top of his cruiser when a fucking sniper blew his head off. Yeah, the specifics of that case, um, because it seemed like it was a plot between the well basically they got the guy to do it yeah yeah because they tried to escape on a motorcycle you know they they tried to tell him that he uh that 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 the sheriff was going to go after him next but it was basically like one of his deputies and a drug uh pusher in the town pretty much set him up is that is that correct yeah it was it was the political rival it was uh the guy guy that was running against him and a local uh, drug dealer and they had, they were going to set it up where you know they killed him and this guy won the election, but they caught the guy that shot him. But the guy, but there's a, a Justice TV documentary about this, right? And the guy that killed him says in that interview that he was coerced by demonic forces <laughs> to perform the assassination, which is totally nuts, you know? Wow. Um, okay. Interesting. But I've always. The, there's a lot of stuff that we can't actually talk about. We don't talk about it in mm-hmm. Pennyroll, and I definitely can't talk about it here, but um, that tie him to a lot of really, really crazy stuff that happened here, and a lot of like local rumors and folklore um, yeah. about cults and groups that were performing ceremonial magic and that were involving, um, unfortunately, you know, children. Off the air yeah, off the air we can talk about it, but not on here. So did his head? His head was literally blown off. Yeah, I mean they they yeah I mean. <laughs> the so you could a, add that to the this <laughs> other this this tradition of decapitations. This is true. This is another. Uh, yeah, it wasn't clean blown off, but you. But there are a large number of. Um, did I mention that to you when we were talking about the the fact that we have uncovered this weird connection to beheadings in America? Um, yeah, yeah. And the the uh, Pearl Bryan murder. You know, which is famous because of Bobby Mackey's and uh, uh, Ghost, oh. Ghost Adventures. Remember Ghost Adventures going to Bobby Mackey's? Yeah, and they were yeah. like, 
There okay, was Satan this year. <laughs> yeah. All right. So those the people that cut her head off were these two dental students, right? Yeah, they well, threw it down the well. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Supposedly, right? Um, that was in uh, just outside of Fort Thomas, or she was murdered in Fort Thomas, which was again, I'll bring this up, the hometown of James Shelby Downard. <laughs> so, <laughs> so c- connecting Downard into this, you know. Uh, she was doesn't does Downard get connected to just about everything? It's does crazy, that, dude. Like it, it's one of those things where it's like, there's no way. Same thing with Aleister Crowley, right? You know, you start. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> Aleister Crowley comes up on this show probably like once every show. Right? It's, yeah, just, yeah, exactly. We talk about Bigfoot, Aleister Crowley will get mentioned. And, and, and then you're like, well, he's got to be connected somehow. It's the same thing with Downard. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like. You know, the beheadings with Manby, you know, Arthur Rocheford Manby down in Taos, New Mexico, you know. But but so Pearl Bryant, her head was cut off. The the private detective who found a witness that fingered those two dental students was, guess what, from Somerset, Kentucky. Mm. And he went on the lam after they hung the two guys because they found out it was a false witness. So they chase him down. They catch him actually down in Tennessee at the end of the railroad line. They take him back to Cincinnati and and try him and talk to him. And he says, those boys didn't kill him. Actually, a woman uh, who was affiliated with a group killed Pearl Bryan. And, you know, this is the most famous murder of the of the 19th century. You know, the 1800s. They There are hundreds of ballads about the beheading of Pearl Bryan, right? And so it turns out that the, that he says the woman who actually killed her that's affiliated with this strange group in Ohio was a woman from Somerset, Kentucky. Which I was like, what? This is insane, you know? Tons of newspaper articles about this, you know? And, you know, I swear, man, newspapers.com is like the best resource ever. Oh, yeah. You know? So, yeah, I mean, lots of people. And then and then I found out there were all these other beheadings in the area, northern Kentucky, southern Indiana, southern Ohio, this weird – I mean, it was like 10 or 12 beheadings in a 20-year period, you know? And then to find these murders here rumored that there were beheadings, you know, it just – again, it was just like, what, what, what the fuck is going on, you know? Well, so, so you know, what – one thing that I did today as I was doing a little bit of research on you guys and trying to – Get my hand, get a handle on some of the stuff that's going on there. You know, just recently, you know, there's January 6th of this year, there was a woman that was found burned in South Carolina that was from Somerset. Uh, no mention of whether that she was beheaded or not. But I thought it was interesting when I typed in Somerset, Kentucky murders, I just got a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Kentucky man wanted for killing wife takes own life in Somerset motel. Uh, there's one of them, you know, so th- it seems like there's a little bit of a, of, of course, any town you may have stuff like this, but it seems like there's a, a, an odd nexus that's going on. That's going around there. Well, here D- Darian did a deep dive into newspapers.com and also started data mining a bunch of this stuff and the amount of murders here and some of the references. It's, it's crazy, but he, you know, yeah, so like I thought it I've always thought it was weird. You don't really think about it if you grow up near here or I feel like in this region it's pretty common. Even where I'm from it's it's pretty wild. But um but I think that like 
the weird thing about um, when it, when I moved away once to a town in northern Kentucky that was kind of like the same size as Somerset, and one day while I was living there, there was a report that a woman had been murdered in some house like near near a subdivision that I was in. And it was the first murder in like 18 years in this town. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. There's got <laughs> to be someone killed every month in Somerset. I mean, there's got to be, you know. And so <clears throat> I started looking like uh, into um, sort of the history of violence here to see what, what I could find. And so it's a little bit difficult to sort of, you know, look inside your own newspaper resources for you know, how you're seen by a community. But because this, the connection between Cincinnati and Somerset is so uh, deep and long, I searched Cincinnati newspapers for mentions of Somerset. And okay. I came across an amazing set of articles uh, around uh, from the like 1890s until maybe 1920. There were several reports, and these were like front page headlines in the Cincinnati Inquirer about... Um, Somerset's reign of terror and mob justice and the, and and by January I can't remember what day it was in January there had already been like 10 murders or something that year you know and so it was the, it, it has a historic in in every way violence to it you know it's 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 kind of amazing I'm not sure what the reason for that is, I, I do think a lot of it, a lot of the early violence stems from the fact that it was a major spot on the railroad. So people, yeah. you know, like, like staying here, transient uh, people, right. Transient people. And, and I, I think even recently that's more of a, uh, of a situation too. Um, but you know, it's, it's definitely always been this way. I mean, it always has. And, and the, t and the level of violence, it's not just like some guy, you know, killing, his wife in a drunken rage or something. It's, it's sometimes it's really weird, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, even in, uh, I found this uh, report in, uh, in the 1940s, a guy was working at a factory in, I think it was Cleveland. Um, he acted a little strange the night before and, uh, his wife reported they didn't come home that night. And so she, she would call the police and they found his body hanging from a tree in Somerset, Kentucky, uh, wrapped in barbed wire. They hung him from a tree in barbed wire uh, from Cleveland that morning, right? I mean, it's like, wh why? Why would you drive to Somerset, Kentucky from Cleveland? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the one I think I talked about that, that, that I mentioned just briefly, right? Is that is that a fairly recent one? Oh, no, no, this was in the 1940s. Oh, okay, so... But, but right. there've been a but there've been a ton of like yeah there was a there was a lady that was thrown off the fishing creek ridge um her body was found but all these it's like a repository for serial killers too you it's, know it's in a sense too i mean it, i don't know what would cause it i mean it, it historically you know it it is a it's not just the remoteness i i don't know what what would cause it i i, I think what causes it is the geomagnetic energy i mean we've got all this research about right, yeah. how, how it causes the effect these crazy effects on people's brains yeah i think some of the new agey people call it a uh, geopathic stress 
Oh, no shit. I've done like, s- if you're in a ley line or things like that, like, that's that's their term. If you just search that term, you can find a bunch of stuff. Oh, that's crazy. That's awesome. I'll have to look that up then. Because, yeah, the, the stuff I was looking at was all these um, the suicide studies in Japan. And there were a few other countries where they had actually tracked the geomagnetic energy fluctuations, like the Schumann uh, yeah. stuff, and found a correlation between suicide rates and uh you know, the energy. So what a, I want to go back to the beheadings real quick. Um, and have you all looked into what ritualistics, uh, ritualistic aspects, uh, might be there? Like wh- why you would behead someone, what that might mean to somebody? Well, we, we, let me, everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, maybe I can. <laughs> maybe I can help her. Um, so, um, I think... So, I'll say this, that these murders aren't that far in the past, right? It's right. not a big community, right? And so, everyone knows everyone, and it is sort of a sensitive issue, right? And so, I think what we had heard about the murders, right, and the various permutations of that story and different versions of it and, and all of that, was just really a gateway into what was a much weirder thing, right? And a much more deeply weird thing. So I, you know, I'm the details about the murders, you know, are are kind of hard to talk about in a way. I think um, because I think it's it's something that not only could still probably get you in trouble, but it could, it's it's something that is sort of sensitive to the family. So it's it's one of those things that. You know, anyone can look up the two the two kids that were killed, right? And uh, the story behind that is strange, but um, but it was really a way for us to get into what turned out to be much weirder, you know, and deeper. And, and really, like, there seems to be what we we definitely found that there were a number of ceremonial magic groups. I guess that that's what we didn't expect to find. I didn't actually think we would find any cults, right? And and what we're calling cults, I don't think is an appropriate term, right? But I do think that, and, and this is really kind of the, the the heart of the show in the end, is that there were a number of groups who were coming to this area, and they were performing rituals. And I think that... You know, I don't think that necessarily all of those rituals were coordinated. They could have been mm-hmm. part of a working, right? Um, I, there's this there's this strangeness to it all that seems to belie, uh, and I'll bring this. It's it, it's just strange, like the Hecate cult stuff, right? That that there there are these dog killings, right? The, the sort of the this this sort of nod to Sirius, right? And this this Hecate um, foundation that keeps popping up, 
right? And a lot of stuff with Grant, um, a lot of stuff with um, – there was a group called the Bait Cabal in Cincinnati. And in fact, there were a ton of magical groups or groups performing magic in Cincinnati in the 70s. And a lot of them, from what we found, were coming to Somerset to perform rituals. Um, in that area where the caves are, you know, in that area where we ended up finding um, a lot of just really cra- strange stuff, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's like our investigation led us to this spot. And then when, when Hellier released their second season, it turned out the caves that they were in were a half a mile from the location that we were directed to when we went down the rabbit hole of these cults and the cult murders. And, you know, I don't know if the beheadings are, you know, of a particular group. I didn't realize there were so many cults in America, you know, and, and, and I started researching that. You know, you find books like The Cult of the Great Eleven, you know, and, and there were there were 200,000 people were in cults in California at the turn of the century, you know, through the 1920s. There were yeah. four, over 400 active cults, um, and it's it's just like – you don't want to really think that, that there are these small enclaves of odd religious beliefs. I mean, you start to get into this weird, like, true detective shit, you know? Where right. you're like, there's, there's no way that's actually happening here. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then you find all of this stuff that actually is telling you something was happening here. You know, then you start to try to piece it together, and, and no doubt, because it's imperfect information, you start to draw correlations that you're like, there's no way, well, you know? Nathan, when I when I first watched Hellier and I first watched your your scene in that, you know, a lot of it really kind of reminded me of some of the Satanic Panic stuff, you know, from the it's, from like the from like the eighties. So, how do we really kind of separate? And and, and you know what, I, I've read Empire of the Wheel. I think that there this is something I don't like to talk about too much but there's something about that book and there's something about the possibility of people worshiping these other deities whatever they are and possibly engaging in some kind of form of human sacrifice i mean it sounds crazy but you know how do we kind of separate ourselves from the satanic panic that from the satanic panic and that from what's going on right now. <laughs> right. You right. guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I won't get any, give it any lip service, but I mean, you know, it's like, how do we kind of separate that kind of, this kind of real kind of serious research that kind of brings us to these odd conclusions that are really similar to the, to the stuff that is sensationalist hype. Right. I think if I can butt in real quick, I want to say that yeah. the, the hindsight of of it being um, of history helps. Um, it's easier to study things in the past than in the moment. That's a good point. That's a good point because when you're right. you're dealing with current events, you don't know if what you're dealing with is some kind of hysteria or or or, or something else. I mean, that's something I've been afraid of with this because you know, again, like Darian said, I mean, it, it's a sensitive thing to. I don't want to connect these the murders that happened here in town because those are tragic murders to you know those families are are still here they're still reeling from the pain right and 
and you know like it's easy for definitely for true crime podcasts and just true the true crime genre to really gloss over those things and, and treat them as entertainment you know and and so that that's been a big fear of mine because it's it's easy to tell these stories and get lost in the fact that you're telling a story and and dehumanize the people right and then with the sensitive matter of some of the you know the stuff that we've found the the sex abuse stuff you know like you said you know those things that are happening now in the world and 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 things you know some of it some of it definitely is probably sensationalized you know some definitely some of it not um but it is you know how how do you separate that out you know how do you um because i don't i don't consider myself a conspiracy theorist right i i definitely am someone who likes to um fancy themselves uh, a researcher of anomalies you know of what i might say is high strangeness you know, I, it's not like we're seeking out a lot of these stories, but, you know, they, they do become a part of it. It's a strange correlation, and, and it's true, though. I, I think that's actually a big issue. I mean, that's something that we have to deal with in Penny Roll is because some of the research that we reference are from people that have uh, a past that, you know, I, I, I don't want to push their political agendas, you know. I don't yeah. want to make them more popular because i mean i mean we can say it you know what i mean i mean definitely the rebirth of pan is written by william grimstead you know and and that's something that you know mystical toponymy is a big part of the research that we've been doing and synchronicity research i mean this is all you know penny roll goes deep into these strange connections between everything so it's a lot of mystos you know synchro mysticism but a lot of the the proponents of synchro mysticism unfortunately have uh, political views that are at odds with our political views, um, and and are are you know pretty pretty racist stuff. Yeah, so, you get into some pretty problematic stuff there. So it's like, how yeah. do you how do you you know the research is solid. You know, it's definitely something that we connect with in terms of of our research and trying to figure out what we think is going on in this situation. But, you know, you don't want to push those things. And it's the same thing with the the stuff that's happening in the news media right now with a lot of the sex abuse stuff. Uh, you know, it's like, I don't know. I, I it's don't. It's true, but it only goes so far. Yeah, but yeah. I, I don't want people to, I, I don't want at the end of this all, uh, you know, once Penny Roll is out, I don't want people to think that there's some type of thing happening in Somerset that's not, you know. And I definitely think after Hellier came out, you know, if you read the Reddit threads, people were shocked, you know, and they really thought they needed to form a task force from the state police and come in here and start sweeping people's houses to find, you know, kids, you know, that were that were being held in the caves or something. And and like, I don't want that to happen. And I feel like this is a really um, charged climate right now to yes. release some of this stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's controversial to say the least. Uh, I'm I'm just more looking at you know what we know about stuff like the Satanic Panic and oh. you know like the things that were kind of blown out of proportion. But then there is it like what Serfiel said, the historical material yeah. as well. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I do want to say this really quick. You know, one of the one of the interviews that we do, one of the main people in the the show. That's that honestly was the linchpin in the show, and I'll I'll, I'll reveal a little bit about this. 
we she had been telling us stories about being part of a cult here in the, this this county in this area and it went deep and it was really wild and it definitely at first glance it was it was it was very classic satanic panic yeah. right satanic ritual abuse right mm-hmm. um it was just it fit the profile exactly right and i definitely was like no you know there's there's no way you know that that this is true right and i but but for for her it was true it is true right like she feels like she suffered that abuse you know she feels like those memories are real but then she tells us where the abuse was happening where these rituals were being performed and it was a place that we'd never heard of and then we looked that place up and we started to investigate that and then we found out that that place was actually owned by a guy who's known as Mr. X in in the New York Times and was this international man of mystery who was possibly an ex-Nazi intelligence agent and who was co- was connected to the JFK assassination and he bought <laughs> he bought this property that she said this all was happening on and then it was like, okay, you know, like her story fits the satanic satanic panic profile, but then you find that piece of information. And yeah, the, of, of well, there was this super evil dude who, out of nowhere, in 1975, moved his financial empire to Somerset, Kentucky, and acquired that property. Right. You got to ask yourself why would he do that? <laughs> right, yeah. right. And then and then she remembers a person that tells us about him, and it turns out that guy was the previous owner that sold the mine to the new guy, right? And then you're like, and we didn't tell her any of this stuff, you know? She's just we're interviewing her, and I'm like, oh my god, she knows, you know, her mother dated the owner of the mine. You know what I mean? And, and and then he sold it to this dude who is possibly uh, a fucking German ceremonial magician, you know? And 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 th- th- it was just like, is there something there? But but then it's like, is there something there, or is something deeper going on? Something that we, something more metaphysical, something more, I don't know. Yeah. Based in some other pattern, you know. That, or that we're, or just that, like. I think it's there's layers, you know, as you climb these pyramids. So if someone like that would were wanting to set up shop for something really fucking weird, um, you know, just having that base of like a solid secret society, good old boy network in a small town would then facilitate things that get a little weirder and a little weirder. It's almost like the way that, um, you know, in a lot of the, like the third world, you have criminal organizations or like drug cartels will have like a town captured or somewhere in Sicily where, you know, like you're, you, you know, you're good to do what you want if you're in with the families or whatever. So it's like, I think something like, like having just, even if it's just like a solid good old boy network like that there would like facilitate higher things. You know what I mean? Think about this too, right? No, this is crazy. The guy that that was the possible co-conspirator of the JFK assassination, who himself was assassinated two years after moving here, flying out of this town, 
with his whole family. His plane was sabotaged. <laughs> I, I bet you've never heard of him, but once you do and you start researching him, you're going to be like, oh, my God, it's crazy. But so think about this. He's named in the gem, gemstone files as a possible co-conspirator, right? He knew okay. Demore and Schultz and a lot of people. Guess who he obviously was here in Somerset with who was on the Warren Commission? Most people don't realize that of the seven people that were on the Warren Commission, one of them was Alan Dulles, who obviously formed the Galen Organization. You know, everybody knows paper, Project Paperclip. Most people don't know that they also brought German intelligence agents over through oh, yeah. the Galen Organization, right? So yeah. Alan Dulles, you know, Alan Dulles' best friend is none other than John Sherman Cooper. He was on the Warren Commission. You know, one of the other seven men. And guess where John Sherman Cooper is from? Somerset, Kentucky. So this dude moves his financial empire, who's connected to the assassination, to the hometown of John Sherman Cooper, who was here at the time. Right? I mean, it's it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And they're, 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 they're also, this is funny, there are two bronze statues in Somerset, Kentucky. One of them is of John Sherman Cooper. Guess what the other giant bronze statue is it's pan ah <laughs> okay you know uh recluse mentions this uh has mentioned this i think he mentioned this in the show with, he did with you guys that in that area too somerset you know kentucky and into west virginia you've got a lot of the kind of like continuity of government you know hideout yeah. places in case Dude, of like, I, a nuclear war i'd never heard of that before and he brought that up and then sure enough, Somerset at downtown, because we had heard all these stories about an, an underground nuclear bunker underneath the town, right? A ton, yeah, there were all these tunnels underneath the town. Like, not the caves, right? That's a whole other part of the county. Right underneath Somerset, there are all these stories of strange tunnels. And people had found tunnels that were built by what we believe were masons, right, that were like – you know, late 1800s, but these beautiful polished tunnels, right, with uh, guidestones. And so we do have witnesses we've interviewed. Those, we found those. We found where those exist. But then there were all these tunnels linking these nuclear bunkers together. And it turns out Somerset had an underground radio station nuclear bunker and then all this other stuff. So I start talking to Steven and start, start talking to Recluse about this, and it's like, oh, my God, man. And he's finding this stuff, showing us, like, no, no, no. If you guys had these things and this number of bunkers underneath the town, you were definitely part of the system. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes total sense. But that hey, just shows that – yeah, go ahead, well, That just shows the, the, the kind of the, the influence of the Blue Bloods from Washington and, you know, the, yeah. the Cold War mentality. Go ahead, Sergio. What was the uh, the statue of Pan? What uh, whose statue is it? What's the context of it? So um, this is the other crazy thing. A big part of this story involves Dan Dutton, the, you know, the artist that did the Fallen, and and so he did this opera um, about um, um, Pan, uh, the afternoon of the Fallen. It involves Nijinsky. Uh, Dan's a super famous artist. Um, he's had work shown all over the world. Um, uh, 
the only recognized opera composer from I think Kentucky. But he did a a series of uh, <laughs> this is what's crazy too, man. This is this think about this, all right? Dan and I are working on a film about his opera, The Fawn, right? We're filming a movie about Pan and about his creation and retelling of the story of Pan and the two nymphs, right? And he did this really famous play, or this famous opera, and and uh, it was a dance opera. And so he, uh, he, he has all this research on Pan. He had a crazy experience in Elkhorn City where he may have encountered Pan, right? And so he and I are working on this film – Hellier comes to town. They um, they they film their second season. I don't know any of this stuff. It comes out, and then lo and behold, yeah. you know the final episode of their second season. They're trying to summon Pan, which is part of yeah. the film that Dan and I are working on. And then Dan's four part opera series, which was filmed by PBS and was all over TV, was called The Secret Commonwealth. And the episode eight that we're in is called The Secret Comedy. Yeah. yeah. Right? There you go. And, and so it turns out that years ago, Dan sculpted this giant eight-foot-tall statue of Pan that now resides in this sculpture park in bronze. You know? That, that's like – you know. and again, we're in a building. We're in a studio right now located above a bar – this is where our, our recording studio is. It's above a bar called Jarfly. And the cult of Pan, the symbol of the cult of Pan, all devotees wore a pendant that was a cicada, otherwise known as a Jarfly. And it's like all of this stuff came out. You know what I'm saying? After, after, after Hillier came out, it was like, what is going on, man? You know, like, yeah. Well, sounds like you got some uh, pan worship going on there. This is where I was kind of going with my my line of thought earlier. It was talking about, um, you know, the the fact that the possibility that you know a lot of people say, well, it's a satanic panic. Not to beat this too much, guys, but just like, you know, to say that these people worship Satan or whatever. But when you may be dealing with is some kind of like, you know, really hardcore kind of pagan cult that worships these chathonic deities. And, and I, I definitely actually, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say that like that's that's a large part of what we found. What I, see to me, it's unbelievable to find. It's more unbelievable to find that in the town you're in, that there are a series of groups performing rituals to Chthonic deities and to old gods than it is to find people worshiping Satan. Right, because yeah. every, everybody's like, "Oh, they're Satan worshippers." No, they're not. See, <laughs> they're they're doing something even stranger, you know. Uh, and 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 honestly, man, that's that's a lot of what we found. I mean, that's a lot of what the show is about. Is why is all of that happening here, of all places? Yeah. Well, I mean, this are. I think it's it's probably. It's probably really the cave system. I mean, if you think about the ancient mystery school religions and the use of caves in those religions, I mean, it 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 it, it makes sense. I mean, I, I think there there may be, and, and this sounds crazy, 
but I think you guys can you guys understand this. There may be a part of the American elite establishment that partakes in these type of rituals. It has done so for a very it has done so for a very long time. Like there's an outward Christian veneer, but inside that there's like this paganism that who knows where it comes from. And I'm not saying I'm not being negative to pagans, but me, you know, but we're talking about something that is probably very old, not some kind of like revival. That I, yes, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, dude, you you hit the nail on the head. Like that is absolutely what I think too. Is that that unbeknownst to a lot of people, I think it's easy to point the finger at these like pop culture villains that we've created, you know. And it's it's a lot harder for people to accept, you know, uh, that that there are people worshiping a complex thing, right? And, and that it goes that deep. And I mean, but you exactly, man. The mystery schools, right? Why would the mystery schools have stopped, right? Yeah. Why would yeah. why wouldn't they have continued? You know? Yeah. Why, and and we know. Look at the child ballads, right? Look at how old the child ballads are. Those things have transmitted from person to person as this like folk technology, right? Passed all the way through thousands of years, possibly containing the origins of Wicca, right? Maybe Aleister Crowley was a part of that, you know, with Gardner. But you you see things like that, and it's like there are these old traditions that have continued in rural areas, un, what we would all consider unsophisticated rural areas. Now take a tradition and then transmit it through sophisticated means, through urban means, and through these power structures, these institutions, right? How easy would it be for them to hide this undercurrent of an ancient tradition? Because no one would believe it, and it's super easy to slap a mask on it and say that it's the fucking worship of the devil, you know. I want to say I want to say something about this too because I, I think that I think that is one that's one way of looking at it, and I think that there's also <clears throat> this kind of makes me think about the 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 dog sacrifice stuff, right? And so um, if you think about like a tr- like let's say that you bought into the whole thing, you bought into Hermeticism came from, you know, mystery schools in ancient Egypt down all the way in an unbroken line through Gnosticism and, you know, Qatarism or whatever in southern France, all the way to Rosicrucianism to now, right? If you bought the whole thing, it's a miraculous set of events that would have to happen to, you know, like somebody is initiating someone in this weird engineered scheme where they, they they scare them and they give them hallucinogens or whatever and that somehow triggers ultra devotion in the person right now it's that's the i guess the traditional approach to it right i think that the that what we're seeing is and i think that the way even crowley would look at the child ballads is that you are in the world you're in it's as weird as it could possibly be. And somewhere in that world is cast the constellation of knowledge that you can access. It doesn't matter if it was passed down, you know, from generation to generation, it's always cast into high art, right? Or into art, right? 
And this is something that Dan himself participates in, right? So Dan sort of gives himself up as a channel to this thing, right? And and that and that that's why this is why there is such a connection between Nazism and high art, right? It's it's that that art is most perfectly a, a representation of the divine order in in the most perfect channels, right? And there's imperfect channels all around you. So if you're in a place like this, it's got high energy and it's it's strange. It may manifest as, you know, some rednecks throwing some dogs off a cliff that happened when I was little and uh, for judgment day, right? It may, it, 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 and it turns into people worshiping, you know, because the thing is channeling into reality, right? It starts as just dog abuse, right? And it ends up, you know, you are acquiring knowledge that has somehow, you know, leaked through and through your brutality, right? And so, and so, yeah, I think in a way, art and violence and 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 and, and I mean, I don't want to defend Julius Avella's ideas because I think they're repugnant. But uh, in his Metaphysics of War, this is a big component of it, right? That war itself is an engine. Of breaking your ego, because in that, all you're, you're you're so afraid, you're just acting, and your actions are reflective of the divine order in some way, and that spirit becomes the spirit of the the time or whatever of the of the entity that you worship or whatever becomes manifest in you. The more per- and it's sort of like being in the zone or whatever. You know, somebody that's out there cleaving through you know hundreds of vikings is sort of in the god is inhabiting that person right and so if you think of this i I think that's more likely than it being i think it's it's a deeper it's a deeper problem of reality not not just some guys in Egypt, you know, telling some people they led down to us. You know, that, that's yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. You, you may have, I think you probably have a point there too when you're dealing with something that's like a warrior cult mentality. If we're talking about a lot of guys, because you were mentioning the, the Nazi and the Alan Dulles and all that. So, I mean, we're talking about people that are essentially would see themselves as warriors. Oh, yeah. And and, the, and, the, cult, the cult of Mithras was, again, a cult that took place pretty much in a cave. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that's that was straight up a warrior cult. But 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 also like like you said, like the cult of Pan was a cave cult, you know, which totally fits all of this stuff that's happening here, you know. But, but, but let me say, I was I'll say a good example. This connects to Pennyroyal. So right, so Nathan mentioned that the Indian clinic earlier that had the tunnels, right? And all these kids are running around telling stories that there is abuse happening in these tunnels by this doctor, right? Okay. That story becomes retold nearly every decade in a completely different form in mm-hmm. Somerset and actually led to people actually doing rituals in tunnels at a different institution, right? It, yeah. Yeah, see see one of the things that we that we're gonna talk to you guys about once we get done here is something that for one thing we don't want to get sued over. <laughs> so yeah. so so there, there's some stuff. It's like you start to look into this, and and what what Darian is ultimately getting at is that it seems that there could possibly be these channels of information that are seeping out, right? And so when people create 
outputs, in a sense, for those channels of information, they manifest in a particular way, right? Depending on what type of output it is. And so we discovered just all this crazy stuff. I mean, the the concept of the subterranean in this town, the yeah. concept of tunnels and this underground world and this uh, this, this strange strangeness, you know, of this manifestation. It we kept finding the story for the last hundred years, every single decade. It kept manifesting in a different form. And in real newspaper stories, you know, and we're not even talking local newspaper stories. We're talking the Cincinnati Enquirer, you know, all these these other newspapers. You know, honestly, our newspaper has scrubbed a lot of this stuff. You know, all the negative shit we found, it's gone. You can't get local newspaper coverage. But we. But if you run into the people involved, right? You run into the people. They're not part of any. Co- they're like, you know, like they're kids, like with, you know, you know, rolling dice or shit in the basement somewhere. You know, <laughs> it's like it's not like. It's just weird that yeah. that just keeps coming up over and over and over. It's like part of the subconscious of this town. Right. right. It, like they're like, tapping into something. It gets very, it gets very like yeah. David Lynch, you know. It's like the Twin Peaks, Peaks effect. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you guys. I mean, even if, um, you know, do you feel like you're tapping into something? And at what what point does investigating things become participation in something? Even if you're an anti-occultist and all you do is concentrate on this shit all the time i mean this stuff is embedded with so much psychic energy like at at what point are you do you guys feel like you're participating at some level on something like this but yeah i mean like we you know we have summer we shoot a series called summer sessions here in the studio and so like we've definitely had like a lot of bands a lot of big bands come here to shoot sessions with us and we've been really lucky to kind of like cultivate somerset because Somerset is a hub of like art and music, and and it's changed a whole lot in the last like five years. It's just exploded. There's this renaissance here. So like, yeah. I, I I don't want people, and and I try to stress this in Penny Royal. I don't want people to come away from the story seeing Somerset as a dark place, because ultimately what we were what we're trying to communicate is that there's this strange magic here right there's this this amazing quality this energy the energy is agnostic right it's not good or bad it depends on who's using that energy and who's interacting and i won't even say energy that sounds too new agey i'll say it in the way that you know we do a lot of data mining we do a lot of like uh tech development software development also here at the studio and and really what we're talking about is information Right. At, at underlying everything, what reality is, is information. And so I think a lot of what we found is that, that this place has this sort of magical quality and, and this like upwelling of, of something special and people interact with it, you know, and and it's the it's the same thing, you know, that 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 what I was going to say is that Greg and I talked about. Right. Is that we're interacting with something and it seems to be propagating. Right. And exactly what you said. At some point, you become involved with this strange phenomena. And, you know, Hellier became involved in they are involved in it. You know, they are part of that. And as people watch that, they see this weird 
significance in it, right? They connect with it in a strange way. And, and, and part of what we – sort of the climax of Pennyroyal is what we believe that is. And it absolutely has to do with the way that we all observe what's happening in our lives and the way we transmit those observations and the way that we're all part of this larger structure. And, and, and you know what? I'm going to say a really strange term, which you guys obviously are familiar with, but some people might find strange. But this idea of egregores. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This idea of these thought forms, right? And you know, I don't want to give Peter Lavenda too much credit. You know, obviously, thought forms have existed for a long time. The concept of egregores have existed for a long time. But I really do believe that the Sinister Forces series did hit upon something that resonates with what we've discovered, and that there are these. These information structures, call them egregores, call them whatever you want, that do form because people begin to focus on these things. And once they start looking at them, the system starts looking back at them. You should read Mark Stavish's book about egregores, just simply called egregores. It's it's really well done. It's a hard concept to get your get your mind around. Do you do you feel me on this though? I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It, uh, See, that's the hardest thing about Penny Royal, of of te- so the eight episodes. The eighth episode is really this. It is trying to lay out all of the evidence that we're talking, like this concept we're talking about right now. This the, that there could possibly be structures of information, you know thought forms, whatever you want to say, that that these things that we're interacting with, we are a necessary component of those things existing, right? And then as we interact with them, they can even interact with us retrocausally. And that's the only way to explain some of it, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, we can't – I can't say that in 1974 someone set in motion – a series of events that would ultimately interact with my life and the lives of Darian and the lives of Kyle and Hellier and Greg and Dana and the whole crew. Like, like someone back then set in motion a series of things that would just somehow play out so that we all interacted in this way? Or did all of us have a part in what we're doing right now that helped set in motion? Yeah. Things that are happening now. It was Alan. It was Alan Greenfield. <laughs> it was all Alan Greenfield, man. <laughs> he, he probably was the one that fucking sent us articles. He was probably out there holding a sign up saying, "You know, you did it." When I saw those murders, you know. <laughs> Let me ask you about this. You mentioned this um, about these girls that uh, saw what people in the town called angels. Oh shit! What man. was that all about? So for real, where we again, all it's like you know, you research this stuff, and it's like layer after layer, story. Nexus of weird. Yeah, you know, and Uh, it's like a lot of the stuff that I'm basing this on is the fact that things correlate in such a fucking nutty way, right? So you start 
it's just asking people to tell you their stories, right? Start canvassing your street. I think everybody should do this. I think everybody should have a newspapers.com account, and then everybody should start asking their neighbors questions and start building folklores about where they live. You know, and I mean that's kind of what penny roll is. You know, it's like, hey, your place is probably as wild and wonderful as ours. You know, and so um, uh, here, you know, where I live, you know, which crazy enough you know these guys have, have moved in you know they're they're nearby this the same area and you know I'm, I'm we're talking to the neighbors and it's like two doors down there the, there's a story of these twins these twin girls who lived in the 1960s and 1970s that would see these beings of light come out of the floor of their house and then reveal things to them and so people would come to their house and get readings from these twin girls that apparently came true right so so i hear that story and i'm like well that's crazy you know some of our best friends moved into that house and that's how we heard about it you know i'm i'm talking to them they're like hey dude the people that you know know the people that owned the house before us told us this crazy story so then i'm talking to my next door neighbor and and he's like i'm interviewing him i'm i'm asking him to tell me you know some things that have happened some weird things and he he starts crying and tells me this crazy story from his childhood. And this is literally like the house where the girls are is two houses to my left. And then the house directly to my right, he's telling me when he was a child, he saw beings of light come up through the floor in the basement. And that they were so awe-inspiring that they terrified him because they thought they were angels, right? And so so then my wife has the interaction where you know she doesn't believe any of this crazy ass bullshit <laughs> you know what i mean like you know to her it's like oh come on you know this is this is too much she comes out of the bathroom and the thermostat on the wall slides three feet to the left three feet down and then bounces back into place with this like elastic wah 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 right and <laughs> she she thinks she's having a, a fucking seizure or an aneurysm she doesn't think paranormal you know and so so she tells me about it. I didn't think about recording the time or whatever. I thought really something just happened to her, right? You know, mentally. And then two years later, she comes out of the bathroom. Same thing happens. Exactly the same thing happens, right? So so then you're we're interviewing all these people that have that have had time dilations, objects, and not haunted houses, not poltergeists, people that literally just had an object float off the wall and then drop to the ground, and they never had anything else ever at their house nearby. So then you've got to start to say to yourself, are these spatial distortions, right? Are some of these things that are happening in this one area, right downtown in Somerset, are these products of the effects of this intense geomagnetic field. And then you got to think, is that what's causing some of these people to have these God helmet-like effects where they're seeing angelic beings floating up out of the ground? Wow. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. It's amazing stuff, guys. <laughs> Seriously. It's so crazy. Uh, That's what I'm, I'm just like, it's like, we keep finding all this and it's like, what do we do with this? You know, I yeah. mean, I, I, I'm trying to fit it into eight episodes. There's going to be a lot of like we're, what we're planning on doing is having this, the liminal lodge 
and that's like we're going to put all of this research, all the newspaper articles, all of our interviews, full interviews because I can't do full interviews for the eight episodes, but like, you know, Dan, all these people that tell these stories, there's probably hours of footage with them. You know, so I'm releasing whole episodes that are just, you know, that, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, yeah, you only heard like 20 minutes of that guy's interview. Well, it's three hours. If you want to listen to that, you can, you know, because it's like, how do you, how do you express to people? I, I guess that's the thing. It's like the pen, penny roll is really about how do you express something that started out as this investigation into why your town was kind of strange and then yeah. it became this extremely personal story about how that strangeness affected you. It's, it's, it's like, is yeah. it the people that affect a place or is it a place that affect the people or is something else going on, you know? And it's like, yeah. what is this, you know? Well, I think a lot of just what you might, you know, call synchro mysticism is ultimately personal. It can, you can follow it other places, um, but ultimately it begins at a personal space and like to go back to where you were you know encouraging people to research the uh, mythology of their and create the mythology of their own local area i mean what can somerset tell us about the rest of uh, america small town america and particularly of its past you know it can it seems like it can be this microcosm for understanding the, the rest of this society were, were a part of and the history of it. I, I, I want to say this one thing, too, and I always say this to these guys. We've talked about this a lot, is that this, this place that becomes the crux of the story, right? This, 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 that, the place the Nazi bought, right? Hopefully, I mean, he may not be a Nazi. I don't want to say he's a Nazi. I don't want to be sued for slander. <laughs> I'm not, we have evidence that you know would indicate possibilities, but I will say this: that that place, let's just say that mine, would forever have been a fucking hole in the ground, right? Mm -hmm. That no one would have ever looked at again. And we started looking at that place, and once this show comes out. That place, that hole in the ground, will forever be a mythical place in this mythology, right? This folklore, it will never be anything more than this magical place that these things, all of these things, could be centered around. But it's only because we started looking at it, and then it started looking back at us. Stare into the abyss. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, guys, uh, this has been extremely fascinating. Um, what's next for you guys? When does Penny Royal podcast come out? Where can people find y'all? So, um, official release date. Hopefully, no kinks. <laughs> but official release date is October the twenty-first. Um, everybody can stream all the episodes there. Um, we, we have pennyrollpodcast.com. Um, people can subscribe to, um, uh, get early, uh, news on the release. 
um, and information about the Liminal Lodge. We're going to be making all of our evidence uh, available. Also, uh, Darian and I have developed a software suite that's going to be part of the Patreon. So we're going to let people join the investigation. We have so much stuff to comb through. Um, and this data mining software will help people. I mean, you can put your own own data in there, and it will map it out and help form connections and guide you. So um, definitely check that out. Um, and then also Kyle is the uh, uh, curator for the Paranormal Museum. And uh, Yeah, quick plug on that. Uh, we're right now doing a complete revamp of the museum. We uh, have spent a lot of money on getting... A whole bunch of new stuff, uh, display items and display cases. And, of course, this pandemic's been a perfect opportunity to uh, just kind of redo how we've done everything at the museum. So it's going to be self-guided. We're planning a reopen date from our remodel sometime in September. And so uh, check out internationalparanormalmuseum.com for that. And once we're reopened, you'll be able to find me there basically all the time. (laughs) And and really, guys, thank you. Thanks so much for yeah. you know yeah. talking to us tonight. Um, uh, definitely, also, I think we should talk another time about James Shelby Downard because uh, a lot of things. I know that you guys are big fans. I'm a big fan. Well, you never know. That time may be coming very soon. I know, right? So anyway, but thank you guys. Seriously, we can't can't tell you how much we think just getting a chance to be on the show and talk to you guys because you know we love talking about all this crazy stuff especially with so people do who are down with this you know what i mean who know egregores who know their fucking shit you guys are fucking goddamn. it's great <laughs> thank, well, you. thank you thank you <laughs> all right guys uh stay on the line for us we're gonna close this section out and we will be back like i always say to close out the show it's paranormal back um we spent like i think it was like pretty much a whole other show <laughs> length of time i think like longer a, than that longer yeah than yeah you just well, we were we were total on there for about four hours with those guys and uh man that was something else dude i i know that you really enjoyed it i i really enjoyed it too and it was like i was taking a shitload of notes and i know you were too but uh, that was uh just a lot of information and they went even deeper in our patreon segment that we did with them we have a a real expose of some of of what's coming up on the penny royal podcast and uh almost entire patreon episode worth of talking about the uh their research they've done on James Shelby Downard and his Kentucky connections. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it gets pretty involved guys. So if you want to hear that, go to Patreon. Surfiel, you can tell them where to go for that. Patreon.com slash conspiranormal. And that is, uh, that is well worth it. If you're interested in their upcoming podcast and you'd like to hear more. Absolutely. All right. You can hear me yawning because <laughs> it's, it's getting pretty late. Uh, but 
Uh, guys, do not forget Strange Realities Conference. It is coming up fairly soon in less than a month from the time we post this. So get your tickets. They are $20 at strangerealitiesconference.com. And we've got about 21 speakers. And you guys are going to really enjoy it. So check it out. I think that's it. Yeah, I just want to thank them again. Just like uh, they really demonstrate using that microcosm a place to explore a million other things and it doesn't seem like there's many places like that um and uh yeah they just that's a lot of material you guys should definitely go check out the patreon all right all right guys we are gonna hit the sack but uh join us next time on North. Please consider becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com slash conspiranormal or leave a one-time donation at conspiranormal.com. And please check out our YouTube channel, Conspiranormal Podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.